Welcome to another Queen Deep Dive. This is Charlie Tate, and I am right smack dab a third of the way through, give or take, my Queen Deep Dives. I'm right in the middle, literally right in the middle of Queen's sixth album, News of the World, released in 1977. And today, I'm so excited because today we are talking a number that, first of all, full disclosure, I love this song. I love this song. It's extremely polarizing in the Queen fandom. There's no getting around that. Extremely interesting the way people react to this, even hardcore big-time Queen fans. Before we get into this in detail, I want to apologize up front. I am actually fighting some sort of explosion of my allergies or something, and it's really bad. So if I sound, I feel like I sound super stuffy right now. It's funny. I can breathe fine. All that's good. But it's just like buried in my head. I tend to get the worst stuffiness in my ears. I've been told I have eustachian tube dysfunction. Joy. Good times. Anyway, right now, I don't. Whoa. <laughs> Sorry. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, <laughs> I hear sirens go off. Yeah. We're still living right smack dab in the middle of... Well, I'm saying smack dab a lot, am I? I'm sorry. I, I think I said that earlier too, didn't I? Yeah, we're living in town, so we get to hear sirens an awful lot. It's another exciting thing. But uh, anyway, yes, I apologize if I sound a little bit off today, but that is the reason why, and I don't want to think about it. I want to get into my queen deep dive and love it because I've been preparing this baby for the last few days, and I'm just now getting to it. Yeah, we're talking the kickoff for side two of Queen's News of the World. This is the one, the only. Get down, make love. Get down, make love. I admit it, I love this song. It's great. When it comes on, it's, it's a groove. I get into it. I kind of sort of love the straightforwardness of this song. I mean, guys, this song is exactly what the title is. There, there isn't a whole lot behind this song. It is interesting, though. It's, it's, got, it's got some tension in it, not just lyrically, but musically as well. It's part of the reason I love it so much. This is dive number 63, track number seven on News of the World. And this is, of course, if it wasn't already obvious... Fabulous Freddie, darling, in all his wonderful glory. This is a Mercury composition. And this is psychedelic bluesy rock with a dash of funk. Yeah, there's a little bit of that groove going on here. Another reason I think musically, this is kind of a standout in the guy's catalog. Never a single. And I'm kind of surprised, actually. I, I've, I think it would have been cool if they had taken a live performance of this and thrown it on as a B-side somewhere. They've done that before, and this translates so well on a stage. Okay, I'll talk about that at length in just a minute. We are at 143 beats per minute. So it's got a little bit of a kick going on this song, but that's very appropriate. Two time signatures, 4-4 four, four, 
and 3-4. So yeah, a little bit of a waltz time signature thrown in here. And we're also in two keys. E flat minor pentatonic, if we're being specific, and G major. But the G major has a little bit of minor inflection. So some interesting choices of chords and scale setups from Mr. Mercury here. And again, if this wasn't obvious, this is all passionate tension. The ups and downs, the hots and colds of sensuality. So yeah, while the title says it all, get down, make love. There's a lot of tightness here and aggressiveness here, which is very appropriate because news of the world is very angsty and kind of angry all across the board, packed with plenty of double entendres because you know what? We certainly can't call these lyrics analogies. They are right in your face. Get Down, Make Love is Freddie's first overtly, obviously sexy song in all its heat-building hesitation that explodes into gritty choruses. I love the contrasts there. It's very rock, yes, but it's also bluesy, highly experimental, makes use of harmonizers, instrumental arrangements with a lot of fragmented tension and heavy sounds in musical conversations. The guys throw in an obvious nod to psychedelic sounds of the decade, which were nothing new by the late 70s, but it's a refreshing take coming from Queen. It's the only time we get a song like this from the guys. These sounds are obviously meant to highlight the song's extremely sexual messaging, allusions, and sentiments. Freddie even accompanies these manipulated guitar sounds, screaming, growling, adding more fire. But for all its obvious heat, there's a lot of frustration here, exasperated by Freddie's fantastically aggressive and dirty vocal delivery, Brian's loud and blaring guitars, and the can't-ever-quite-get-into-a-groove percussion in the verses. This percussive hesitation contrasted with John's weighty bass and Freddie's precise piano are a real treat. And even if this song's lyrics aren't your thing, this instrumental performance is certainly fire. Shout out to Mr. John Deacon and that almost iconic bass riff in those verses. In fact, it kicks the song off right from the very beginning. That's the thing, this song, it sounds phenomenal. I've read that from people that even if they're not really a fan of this song in general, for whatever reason, and usually it's the subject matter, the sound of this song is epic. And that's because like the album before it, A Day at the Races, the guys were at the production helm here. So particularly the low frequencies, the drums sound stellar. Fan. Fantastic. Some background on the song performances. This was played 294 times from 77 through 86, and it was pretty evenly dispersed throughout those years, except for 86, where we have just three performances on that tour. And in addition to other news tracks, there is an early take of this song released as part of the album's 40th anniversary. It's notably softer sort of, at least vocally. Anyway, there are more backing vocals though, especially in the verses. And it sounds like almost too much when you listen to that early take with those backing vocals that are consistently there. 
The percussion isn't as tight. Some essential tom hits are missing. Brian's guitar isn't as buttoned up, but it's still nicely soulful. And actually, the most surprising twist, rather than the psychedelic break in the middle, we have an extended instrumental of piano-heavy playing balanced with Brian indulging in twisted riffs and repeated guitar motifs. This actually sounds like an awesome jam session, that demo version. The guys are playing off each other incredibly well. Now, live in the tour performances, this thing is, dare I say it, better? I love the energy between the boys on the stage, the intensity, Brian's exaggerated and indulged effects on the guitar. Whenever the guys played this live, the psychedelic effects in the song's distinctive bridge were performed by Brian on his Red Special using an electroharmonics frequency analyzer pedal. So alongside Freddie's manipulated echoed moans and groans, the guys aimed to create the ultimate live experience with these sounds and effects. And as live performances of this progressed, Roger would join Brian in the bridge by providing samples triggered using a set of Pollard syndromes. Speaking of Roger, he did some pretty awesome drum riffs live and really takes it a step higher on the drums in almost every live performance I've heard of this. I love it when the guys add a little more flair and panache to live performances. And this song was certainly no exception. I genuinely think this song is better live. And I feel like especially that psychedelic breakdown has a different kind of feel in a live setting because it's in an arena, it's in a huge stadium, it's in this big ambient place, right? You've got the crowd, you've got people cheering out, whistling out, screaming out. There's something about that interaction between band and fans that amplify this even more and make it all the more enjoyable. Some fun facts about Get Down, Make Love. I almost cannot say the title without singing it. It's another one of those songs from Queen. A very aggressive and really almost abrasive version of this song was covered by Trent Reznor's industrial rock project, Nine Inch Nails, as a B-side for the 1990 single called Sin. To call this aggressive doesn't really fit, though. This version of this song, it legitimately scared me <laughs> the first time I heard it. It's the industrial distortion, the louder, screaming, incessant lyrics that are less poised, classy. I, I know that sounds weird. Someone else said it better than I could, that this version sounds more like a power trip, whereas Freddie's performance is more raw, unbridled, and kind of sexier in that way. So when I hear this, this, this industrial, really aggressive version, I imagine it in a graphic horror film scene. But hey, I still got through the whole thing, right? It does include samples from Queen's original cut, so there's that. But all in all, Queen's version to me is much sexier in its groove. It's entirely because of Freddie's vocals and the fantastic instrumental arrangement. Some other cool facts about Get Down, Make Love. The Pollard syndromes Roger used during some live performances appear on Roger's track, 
Fun It from the subsequent jazz album. I can't wait to talk about that song, you guys. Oh, was my ringtone for a bit. Back to this number here. The distinctive psychedelic sound effects heard in the song were not produced on a synthesizer, but were in fact on Brian's Red Special guitar using the Event Tide harmonizer in the studio. And a version of this song's experimental interlude was included in the BBC version of It's Late, the almost last song on News of the World and one of my favorites. And usually, this instrumental, very experimental, psychedelic interlude was never quite the same live. Yet another reason I love this number when I hear a live recording, because there's always a distinctive feel about it. There's always something interesting that makes it stand out from the rest before it. That's why I love it. Brian spoke to BBC Radio One in 1983, featured as one of the guitar greats, speaking at length about his guitar playing and style, and he elaborated on the peculiar effects in Get Down, Make Love, saying, quote, that's the harmonizer thing which I use. I've used it as a noise rather than a musical thing. It's controlled because I had a special little pedal made, which means I can change the interval at which the harmonizer comes back at and the harmonizer's fed back on itself. So it makes all these swooping noises and it's just an exercise in using that together with Freddie's noises. It's sort of an erotic interlude. Unquote. And if I remember right, I saw something about that he giggled after he said that last statement. But really, it's about creating that atmosphere, that mood. And they were never apologetic about that. You would think that Freddie may be one out of the band who would talk to, speak to the sexier songs like this one and their messaging. But as we've come to discover, if you know any history about the guys during interviews as well, Freddie was actually quite reserved about statements like that. Brian, being so well-spoken, I mean, all the guys well-spoken, really, but he always loved to elaborate about things. And he was one of the guys who consistently defended their sometimes sexier approach with songs like this one, Get Down, Make Love, or Tie Your Mother Down, which of course is Brian's number. And even Son and Daughter, which is also a Brian number, that song has some aggressive messaging as well. So Brian has been very honest about sometimes they just wanted to go the sexy route. And I think here, it's done very well. If that's what you're in the mood for, this is a fun number for sure. But I do have some how dare they comments from the press, of course. There's actually quite a few to choose from for Get Down, Make Love, because again, this is kind of polarizing, not just on the fan front, but on the critics front as well. Washington Post, in their review for the entirety of News of the World, called this the one exception to the album's more understated and intelligently composed numbers. They did elaborate a little more, but I think what they meant when they wrote that was they felt that this was kind of a throwaway. Now, Rolling Stone's review included this statement about news of the world, no doubt alluding to this song's tension. Quote, on side two, the group lolls through a series of songs about sexual failure, hers, stardom, and ennui as they make a mildly persuasive argument for boredom as the proper posture prior to the apocalypse. We got a lot of jabs going on there. 
But they're specifically calling out this song, I Believe This Song, and maybe one more song, which we'll talk about later, hasn't come yet, as sexual failure on the woman's part. (laughs) I just love the way they point fingers. It's just so funny. They're so judgmental. They're not even trying to hide it. But let's talk about fan sentiment as well. At the time, fans were pretty divided over this song. Some thought it was ludicrous, but they knew it was meant to be over the top and tongue-in-cheek. Others thought it was horribly written and ridiculous and another step down for the guys because there were fans that, and still, some people had this same opinion. Fans at the time that thought that the guys really peaked with opera, their fourth album, and that it was kind of a little bit downhill in a lot of respects, consistently from that moment. I don't think that because I feel like every album has a highlight or something really unique about it that makes it very, very special. But this was one of those songs that, yeah, when people kind of picked on Queen, when they thought Queen was getting a little bit too big for themselves, you know, they had a lot of success with opera. They elaborated more on that style with with races. And now here we have this angsty, angry album that some people thought was just to jump on the punk movement thing, right? So I think those same fans may have been the ones that thought, oh, this is just a terrible song. So this is definitely a song that polarizes fans, even now. Though hindsight, I think, tells us to lighten up a bit, at least when it comes to the messaging, because there's been, honestly, a lot of songs out there that are much more graphic than this one, that are much more aggressive than this one. At the time, this was obviously a song that, in Queen's catalog, was quite assertive and quite forward and quite sexual in a very obvious way. So that may have been surprising for some. But again, hindsight is everything. I just find it interesting that even now, I can read comments from forums and subreddits and all these places where people, when they start talking about Get Down, Make Love... There's a lot of statements thrown back and forth to defend this and attack it. And the lengths people will go to defend their opinion is quite interesting too. I'm kind of that person that I love this song and if you don't like it, I'm totally cool with that. But I do get a kick out of reading these back and forths that people have to justify their opinions. Honestly, you don't have to prove it to me. If you don't like it, that's all you need to say. If you love it, that's all you need to say. You know, I've, I've, when it comes to music, I'm never one to demand that you tell me why. <laughs> it's just not important enough to fight over it. You know what I mean? But yeah, this song is definitely super polarizing. But even as we have the negative sentiment around it, we have a lot of praise. But let's acknowledge the obvious. People get hung up on the simple fact that the subject matter of get down, make love is so obvious more than anything else, even if they enjoy this song. And of course, once people are wrapped up in that, I mean, it's sex, right? The jokes fly, the immaturity takes over. Uh, Maybe that's not such a bad thing. If Queen never took themselves too seriously, anyway, and they never did, I think they took the work seriously, but they liked to have fun as well. But some do get past the obviousness of that and the immaturity of it, and they talk about what really makes this song so great the addicting riffs, the tricky, clever instrumental arrangement. And people call out the bass and the quality of the drums and the dynamics of the music as some of Queen's best sounding stuff. 
This is what I was getting at when I talked about this before. This song sounds fantastic. One of the greatest things about the demo version and that long, lengthy interlude that isn't the psychedelic breakdown, but is entirely instrumental and bluesy and loud and rock and roll, is you get a great sense of camaraderie between the guys as they play, but it just sounds great. Even though that is a demo version, I want you to go find that and listen to it. I'll probably link to it because it's so different than the album version we end up with, but I think it showcases the fact that these guys just loved to play and they especially loved to play live. But oh, this song has so many goodies in it, has so much fantastic arrangement. The structure of it is really clever. Bass. Thank you, John. Ooh, it's hot. Straight away, that bass. Then Brian sneaks in, a glissando from the tonic, but there's an interesting harmonic created by that feedback, a harmony, resulting in a kind of fight and a tension that perfectly sets us up for what's next in this song. Roger's incessant, loud lead-in fill. Freddie's in your face. Get down, make love. I hadn't even thought about it before, but this is actually the chorus. Yes, we start with the chorus after that short teasing intro. And this works so well. Let's talk about the instrumental arrangement. We have Freddie and his piano in perfect fifths and fourths against each other, kind of fighting with John's notable guitar. I'm sorry, his bass riff, not guitar riff, hitting with those drums. And in between the occasional clash of cymbals and fills. And of course, Brian's licks and growls and snarls and all that on his red special. I love this arrangement. This musical conversation is the only thing of its kind in Queen's catalog, at least as obvious as this. Anyway, and it's brilliant. The tension it creates, the stop and go, hot and cold. It's perfect, really. I love it so much, especially the percussion. I was inspired by it for one of my own creations, but let's get back to this song. You take my body, I give you heat. You say you're hungry, I give you meat. <laughs> These lyrics are, of course, a major reason why this song takes it from some fans. They leave nothing to the imagination, and some find them tasteless, classless, simply too much, right? But guys, this is Freddie. He's not one to ever hold back or apologize. Should we be surprised? We get some weighted backing vocals against Freddie's amazing vocal aggression and the lovely rockin' bridge that modulates into a major key with minor inflections. Every time I get hot, you wanna cool down. Every time I get high, you say you wanna calm down. I suppose that last bit is calling out the use of drugs, perhaps? I've read that mentioned as well. Another reason this song is sometimes criticized, I think. I still love it, though, and primarily because of the performance here. Freddie's full chest voice in all its sharpness, the jazzy, bluesy piano. His performance in this song on that piano, ugh, it's amazing. Brian screaming out those layered chords on his guitar. Roger riding the cymbal with those heavy, loud drums. John grooving, absolutely grooving on his bass line. In the second verse, we have some nice accent backing vocals from Freddie again, contrasting his lead. Yes, it's all Freddie's vocals here, by the way. 
That's very uncommon. You know, we've talked about the guys layering their voices, but here it's all Freddie, baby. Additional glittering piano that teases layers of more interest. Brian chimes in again in the chorus, perfectly timed, perfectly soulful. Then that lengthy interlude with those impressive guitar effects. Nothing to ground us except Roger's relentless bass drum and those ongoing piano chords. Hitting in unison. Freddie sings out, screams out rather. Brian crawls and claws, screams through his guitar. It's fun to pick apart all of these pieces that create this atmosphere. Last but not least... Another round of the chorus, another rowdy bridge, and Freddie takes us out. Get down, make love. There's a little reverb there, too. It's really nice ambience on that vocal. And that's, that is the song. It's aggressive. It's assertive. It's in your face. It's unapologetic about it. And I kind of love it. I love the arrangement in those verses. I mean... The instrumental here, I want just the instrumental. Can somebody do that for me? I could probably do it myself. Just drop out all the lyrics, all the vocals, and give me that arrangement. And what's great is the verses have that incredible contrast of, again, you have the bass and the drums against Freddie's on the piano and the voice. And they kind of have this battle, this conversation back and forth. And then when the bridge comes in, it's all heavy, it's all hot, it's all on fire, it's all unrelenting rock and roll noise with that bluesiness happening. I just love the arrangement of Get Down, Make Love. It's, it's all the instrumental stuff I think I love the most. Yeah, Freddie's lyrics, his vocals are done. He performs them so well. You can't argue with that. Even if you don't like the words, you cannot complain about his performance. It is top notch. And even though, yeah, I get a kick out of some of those lyrics, I love the play on words in a lot of instances, actually. It's quite clever. Even if they're very, even if it's so obvious when you think about it, I still love it. I enjoy it a lot. But yeah, it's the instrumental in Get Down, Make Love that does it for me. That's what does it for me. I love it. And you got to go listen to it live. Just pick a live performance. All of them are great because they're all unique. And some of them were longer than others. Some of them had a little bit more going on in the psychedelic breakdown where the guys indulge some more. It's a lot of fun, this song. And I think they had a blast with it live, just like they usually did with live numbers. But yeah, I almost like parts of this better live on a stage, especially the drums and I always get a kick out of watching our little Disco Deaky grooving on his bass live. Nobody could dance like Disco Deaky when he played his bass. But anyway, this is all Freddie's number, truly. This is all his unapologetically in-your-face expressive number. Get down, make love. Go check it out. I will link to several performances. Wow. I am foggy brained, clearly, but anyway, keep yourselves alive. Enjoy this. I'm digging into that. Wow. I still can't talk. I'm digging into side two <laughs> news of the world. We'll continue on with the next number that is going to be interesting. This next number. I think this is another song, the next one we're going to go into that surprises people. And I think it takes a lot of unfair criticism. And I'll talk about why I think it's so marvelous. It's kind of like Brian's good company 
from A Night at the Opera. People, I feel like that song is also unfairly attacked because people don't realize what went into it. And the next song is similar in that way. So stay with me as we get through side two of Queen's News of the World. Thanks for tuning in, guys.